When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to my podcast. Today is a really special episode. Today is my birthday podcast, so we're going to do a little special today. And I'm basically going to answer all of your questions. Actually, not all of them. I picked seven (laughs) that I'm going to answer that you asked on my Instagram story. And and yeah, so we're going to do seven questions and and just kind of answer and delve into my personal life and my story, which I usually just talk about my opinions and my truths. But this time we're going to talk about my my personal life. So I hope you guys enjoy. And I just want to say thank you guys so much. The last year has changed my life. I feel like I set so many structures up for myself that just make me feel so safe and so excited for my future. Like my podcast is now in the top 50 in the United States and the top 100 in the UK and Canada. And it, um, my coaching program, my coaching business is extremely successful and I can coach women that are so wonderful and aligned with me and I can bring them into embodied womanhood and empowered womanhood in the most empowered um secure safe and full versions of themselves and and truly serve in that way and my instagram and my tiktok it just feels like everything's just really really secure and safe and i just love it so much so thank you guys so much for supporting me it brings me to tears just just thinking about it so so thank you guys so much and Um, Let's really get into it. So usually we do, you know, my opinions, my truths that I've come to know. And today we're actually just going to do my story. So let's start. So the first question is, where did my spiritual journey start? So I was... 19 when my spiritual journey started and I was actually an atheist I wasn't actually an atheist I was actually just an agnostic um, which is basically just you don't not believe in God but you don't believe in God and you just don't really know at least that's my understanding of what agnostic is it's like I don't think there's no God I just don't really have anything right now that I'm like resonating with that's kind of like 
the agnostic vibe. Like, I don't really know. Let's tackle another question in this one, which was, did you grow up religious? So, yeah, so I was Catholic and I, well, I actually was never Catholic, but that was what my family was. And um, I did my first Holy Communion. I did my confirmation. I was forced to do my confirmation, (laughs) Um, but I never resonated with Christianity and for good reason, right? Because the texts that... um, that were written, the Bible and whatnot, and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and um, the Bible are sacred, right? Jesus Christ is a, of course, was a person, but is also a consciousness. So you can attain Christ consciousness, a consciousness, a level that you can attain, that I can attain, that other Christs have attained. So Christ consciousness is just a, a, a level of consciousness, basically. Um, And Jesus Christ was um, someone who was sent by God to attain Christ consciousness, to embody Christ consciousness and to shift the consciousness of the earth. Right. But what actually ended up happening um, is that the Bible is extremely difficult for the untrained and um, immature mind to understand. Wisdom has a way of gatekeeping itself from the fool. So it gatekeeps itself to protect itself. There's a barrier of entry to wisdom. One must be worthy. One must have committed and devoted themselves to a certain level and a certain degree. There's a barrier of entry to wisdom. So wisdom gatekeeps itself from the fool. But what happens and what has happened in history, particularly with religion, is that wisdom has been taken by the fool, right? And and the fool has created institutions of oppression around the misinterpretation of the wisdom. So you see Christianity as an institution for thousands of years that upholds oppression and suppression of people. Christianity and Christ are very different things. And I always used to say when I was younger, I would say in my classes, because I, when I was in my theology classes, I would say, you know, um, if you guys met Jesus Christ, all of these Christians who are super racist, don't support free health care, um, you, you know, are super sexist, you haven't done the internal work, you are prejudiced towards other people, you discriminate, um, you know, these really, um, these people that are very, um, really harmful towards other people, right? and haven't truly done the inner work themselves, if they met Jesus Christ today, they would not like him. If they met, if most Christians met Jesus Christ today, the same exact thing that Jesus Christ went through when he died would have happened again. Because that is the truth of humanity, right? And it was the truth then, and unfortunately, it's the truth now. Jesus Christ, all of these people, all of the followers, all of the people around could not hold his wisdom. They could not hold his message. And so they stoned him or they crucified him. The people called for him to be crucified. And um, the reason that they did that is they could not sit with the fullness of his wisdom. 
And the same thing would happen now. And it's just funny because the Christians that, you know, are Christian and call themselves Christian would be the ones calling for Christ, the actual Christ, Christ, Jesus Christ, as he was um, when he was alive in this physical realm. He was um, crucified for the same reasons that people, his followers, again, would crucify him today. And um, so it's just really it's just really funny. It is really funny. Um, and it's interesting to see just how deeply these these sacred texts have been distorted and they've been run with by the fool. So I am actually reading a book called The Second Coming of Christ, and I am a follower of the um, the Self-Realization Fellowship. So it's not a religion. It's um, a line of gurus and the guru uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, he started the Self-Realization Fellowship. And um, so it's a line of gurus and it goes um, Krishna, Babaji, um, Lahiri Mahasaya, Swami Sri Kutswar, and then Paramahansa Yogananda. And then you can be inducted into the Self-Realization Fellowship by doing the lessons and, and, and whatnot. But anyway, um, Yogananda, my, um, the person that is the guru preceptor, so he created the Self-Realization Fellowship. He um, wrote a book called The Second Coming of Christ. And it's basically about, um, it translates the Bible as Christ intended it to be translated. So for example, not directly translated it says you know every every stanza or every story or every parable the actual meaning from a, a a level of um the level that Christ was intending but many texts many sacred and holy texts and knowings and understandings are pretty much obscured from the from the unadvanced eye Right. So they're hidden. I saw I, what was this quote one time? It was like it's hidden by a a wall and it's not too high of a wall, but it does take a level of consciousness to be achieved, to actually be able to accurately understand um, what they were saying. And it was intended that way. It was only intended for those the eyes that are um, that are advanced enough to see. So um, what happened with the Bible is many eyes who you know the the mass majority the vast majority of eyes looking at the bible um 99% are coming from a a very low level of advancement and they try to interpret it and they interpret it in very um wrong ways very um mis they they misunderstand the meaning that was actually truly meant and so what you see from that is you know what exactly happened you saw the Christian and you still see the Christian church being a massive space for um, pedophilia you see the Christianity and the Christian church being a space for oppression and being a space over the thousands and hundreds of years being a space where they murdered a million not million but they murdered thousands of people in the name of God in the name of Jesus they murdered and they suppressed and they oppressed women they um, you know created the witch hunts and really supported the witch hunts they 
um, you know, hate gay people, they're anti-choice, they're, you know, all of these super oppressive things. And all of that is just the result of untrained eyes looking at extremely advanced texts and then trying to do something with them, right? And um, so anyway, so Christianity as it is now. So Christianity now is separate than Christ. Christianity is separate from Jesus Christ. Christianity is separate from Christ consciousness. Christianity is very, very separate from Jesus Christ, right? So the actual um, religion that has formed is very, very different than what the texts we're intending what the texts actually say and they're very different from the way that Jesus Christ actually lived his life right so um so yeah so I think it's funny sometimes I'll be like you know actually I don't say this anymore but when I was younger when I was in like high school I would say um if Jesus Christ met any of y'all he would not fuck with y'all like at all <laughs> um of course you know Jesus Christ is forgiving and whatnot but you know, y'all would not be in resonance. The truth is y'all would not like him. That's really what it is. You guys would not like him. <laughs> if you guys met Jesus Christ, you would not like him. 99% of Christians. That's the funny part. Um, but so, so my, <laughs> I did grow up, um, influenced by religion but by the time that I was 10 years old I renounced Christianity I said this is not for me I don't resonate I don't resonate with the people I don't resonate with the religion this is not for me and um and then I my mom had a, a, a what's it called a um a priest to the house and he came and talked to me and he was actually very nice and he told me you know it's uh you know only the people who are meant to go very far in religion in god question it and he was right he was very very right you know um and that's the truth you can't if you believe something blindly and you just um never question it you won't go very far because you can't really get to the depths so i um you know questioned christianity i questioned everything i always question everything um and I form my own beliefs and I and I truly see what's in resonance um so by the time I was then 13 I actually ended up going to a um all-girls catholic high school um for for high school and I had to take theology every every semester and I was very rebellious and so you know that didn't really go well I didn't enjoy it I was very much against Christianity and I'm not against Christianity now just as I'm not against any religion I just think that um I have the same belief with all you know with all with all religions they've been um they're very diluted and misconstrued um perceptions of the actual person that they're trying to to emulate trying to talk about and usually you know religion is used as an oppression tool because you know um your connection with God is very private and there is something to be said about 
devotion to one lineage, to devotion to one guru, devotion to a um, to a line of gurus, devotion to a a guru like Jesus Christ or a a guru like um, you know uh, Krishna or or whatnot. But um, but the religion as it's as it's been formed, as the major religions have been formed, have become just institutions trying to control, suppress, and and dictate the population and actually keep them away from God, which is the funny part, right? Because it's a religion. But what happens when you suppress people and you oppress people and you try to control them? And what happens when you have very unadvanced people um, posing as the top, as the priests, as the whatever, but they're not, not actually, um, they have not actually ascended themselves in consciousness. You have a lot of people just trying to control right? You just have a lot of people who are scared, who are trying to control, who are on power trips, who are, that's why you see so much pedophilia in the church. It's just, um, it's, it's just, it turns into a very actually, um, devilish place, right? A very, uh, hellish place, right? So that I think is, um, what most religions have, have come to, and then, um, so yeah, so I was raised religious, but I rejected it by the age of 10. Then I went to a Catholic high school. I had to take theology, which was basically just reading the Bible and talking about the Bible. And, and I was very outspoken, very rebellious. And then when I was 19, my spiritual journey started. I was going through a difficult time in my life as I was very often <laughs> from ages like 10 to to 19 really until my my spiritual little journey um and then I came across a mentor um and I came across a friend a mentor you can see Christ consciousness in someone else and in that I trusted in that I could actually um uh, put my put my um, attention on and say, you know, well, I could ask this person, you know, well, what's your opinion on this? Well, what's this and what's that? And so this person was able to really help me and guide me um, in the beginning stages of my spiritual journey. And he's also an artist. So he would put out a lot of songs and a lot of um, really just songs. So I would started listening to to music and I actually moved to Argentina I went to NYU and so I did, I went to NYU for college. So I did a, um, a study abroad program in Buenos Aires. And, um, and so basically study abroad programs at NYU, NYU just has campuses in all of these other, other countries. So they have campuses in, um, in what's it called in, um, Argentina, they have campuses in Spain, they have campuses in Paris, they have campuses in London, they have campuses in Abu Dhabi and in Shanghai. So they have campuses all over the world and they're the only school, the only college that has that. Whereas other colleges, they have to, if you want to study abroad, you have to go to an exchange program. So you have to like, you know, go to college at university of Madrid or university of Argentina or Buenos Aires or whatever. But at NYU, you go to the NYU campus in that country. So you have NYU therapists, NYU teachers, the whole NYU campus, NYU classes. You don't have to transfer anything. You're literally just going to NYU Madrid, NYU Buenos Aires. So I loved those programs. I did a bunch of them. I did three um, because they made traveling, traveling abroad so easy and, and studying abroad so easy because you can literally just go to NYU abroad. So so anyway, um, 
when I was 19, I went to Argentina. And so I went to Argentina. I think, I believe my flight, I, why do I know this? But it was, it was so many long, so many years ago. It was January 26th, I believe. And, um, and my troubles that year had started on January 1st. And then like a few days later, I had found this, this friend, this mentor who would be, um, my mentor and my friend for the next few years. There's a difference between knowing God and then believing in God. 99% of people believe in God. They believe in God. They, you know, are good Christians. They're good, whatever they are. And they, that's as far as they go. They just believe in God. They, you know, might go to church or to temple, but they don't know God firsthand. They don't um, commune with God uh, firsthand. They don't ascend their consciousness. So anyway, so I um, basically met this person and uh, who became my mentor and they just really helped me understand and and go a little further and and bring me from point A to point B because I had gone from not knowing God at all and then all of the sudden being very immersed in God. All of a sudden I just felt complete joy for it was about six months. I was immersed in the bliss of God. So that was my spiritual awakening. And I would say that there's a very big difference between your spiritual awakening versus doing your deep healing work. With my spiritual journey and whatnot, I did have my spiritual awakening, which was basically me coming to know God, which was a gift. Um, that was a gift from from God to me. And I was blessed because I just all of a sudden was gifted the joy of God very, very quickly. And I didn't really know what was what was going on. So bliss is a manifestation of God. There's many manifestations of God. There's light, there's bliss, there's sound, which is the sound om. There's um, wisdom, there's other ones as well. And so the bliss that I felt, joy, the joy of God for about six months was a gift from God to me of God's presence, right? And so, so basically what I did in these six months, I moved to Argentina I completely was alone. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't have any friends. I, um, you know, stayed in a host in a host home with an older single lady. Um, she was a widow and I loved her, but I would just sit on my balcony because in Argentina, all of the little apartments have balconies and I would sit on my balcony for like six hours a day or I would go to a park. Um, but every day I would sit on my balcony for at least, at least like four hours, but usually like six hours a day. And I would listen to spiritual music from my mentor, my friend, and I would listen to music and I would cry and I would journal and I would just um, feel into this space. And, um, and all of the sudden, I remember I would just, I was writing poetry all of the time. I was celibate during this time. This was not my official two year celibacy journey, but I was celibate during this time. I was not texting anyone during this time. I was of course, vegan during this time. I was not hanging out with anyone. I was completely in solitude in another country. And I was just immersed in the bliss and the joy of God. And, um, and yeah, so that was when I was 19. And then, you know, 
six months of that happened. And then I went back to the United States and my old patterns just continued, right? Because just because you know the bliss of God doesn't mean you've done the deep internal work um, to actually ascend and get to different levels of God. You must do the, do the inner work. But um, that was a gift, right? That was my my. Uh, rite of passage into into God and so then I had to come home and actually do the work and so then I started um, about two years later I began to actually do the deep internal work about two years later or what not two years maybe a year I, I would say a year a year later yes I would say a year later um, a year later, yes, my, my spiritual journey or sorry, my celibacy journey started. Um, and then I really began doing the deep internal work for about two years. Um, and really reprogramming, uh, my mind and my, my everything. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my, my spiritual journey. And then, well, that was my spiritual awakening as, as they call it, as the kids call it. Um, but then my spiritual practice now, I am a practitioner. I am a, um, what do they call it? I forget what they call it. It's the, um, a fo- it's not a follower. It's a, uh, a student. That's what it's called. <laughs> a student. So I'm a student of the Self-Realization Fellowship. I am currently doing the lessons. Um, it's a program that you do every day and you do it for 18 months. Um, so I'm currently a student of the lessons um, taught by Paramahansana Yogananda. And if you are interested in Yogananda or the Self-Realization Fellowship, you may read The Autobiography of a Yogi, which is in the top 100 spiritual books of all time. And um, it's that's not my own top. That's a, you know, worldwide, whatever, like list of the top 100. And it is written by Paramahansa Yogananda. And um, and so I read that book at the um, at a at a uh, at the what is it called? Recommendation of a friend. And I read that book and really, really resonated and was called um, to go to start going to some self-realization fellowship events and ended up meeting um, a monk when I was living in Spain. I met a monk and uh, he was a part of the self-realization fellowship. All the monks are vegan in the self-realization fellowship. And um, I met him and he told me, you know, you should really do the lessons and and so yeah so now I do the lessons every day I meditate every morning and every night meditation is uh absolutely essential if you would like to know God if you would like to um ascend in your consciousness if you would like to and when I say ascend in your consciousness what I really mean is um uh become okay well what I really mean is become one with the essence of your soul become become one with God which actually takes a lot of work (laughs) I Yogananda said no lazy person ever finds God and that is very true right so it takes a lot of commitment and um discipline and um and and yeah so if you would like to embark on that journey um the self-realization fellowship is what my I am devoted to which my lineage that I'm embarking on um but yeah so that's what I do and meditation is extremely important I really love the lessons because 
they give a specific meditation you have to do every day so it doesn't kind of just leave it up to chance it's a set in stone this is what you have to do this is your practice and 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 yeah so that is um, my practice and I would say that to me as far as God probably the most important aspect that I've cultivated has been devotion a heart-centered devotion and a real communion with God and just but a very uh, a very deep devotion to God um, a, a devotion to to meditate every morning and night a devotion to, to my heart I think you know every person's heart cries out and longs for God right because you came from God and so when you come into this earthly body you become um, trapped in delusion and many people live in delusion forever and then they die and they reincarnate because they've lived in delusion um, and then they live in delusion again and then they have to reincarnate again and it's like a whole you know a whole little cycle Um, but you know even those that are very deep in delusion, their hearts will always cry out for something like nothing will ever fully satisfy them because what they're looking for is God. Right. And so when you can get into intentional and, and conscientious, conscious um, communion with the part of you that longs and cries out for God that cannot be satisfied until God presents himself to you, herself to you, itself to you. Um, in, if you can get into communion with that part, you can have, you can grow deeper in your discipline for your practice and, um, and you can grow deeper in your, in your devotion to your practice, to your finding of God, right? Um, and of course, you know, people say, you know, how can you look for God, but you are God. So, you know, uh, yeah, how can you find what you are, right? And that's true. But both, you have to have a balanced approach, right? So I am, I am, God is me, I am God. Like what, I'm not, I'm looking for everything that's already here and that's true. But you actually do have to put in a very concerted effort. Really get in touch with that part of you that longs, that is longing. If you feel, you know, nothing's ever enough, like nothing can really ever satisfy you, which, you know, even if you feel happy in your life, there's always some sort of underlying something, right? And it's your soul's cry for God, cry for you to remember, cry for you to remember yourself. And if you can get into conscious communion with that space, you can actually, um, use that cry to deepen your your um your practice and your call and your communion and your devotion to God so so yeah so that has really deepened my devotion to God is really getting into conscious um communion with the part of me that longs and cries out for God my father my mother my eternal um you know home right? So that part is really, really helpful. So yeah. Okay, guys. So <laughs> next question. So um, the next question is letting friendships go, welcoming space for new ones. That's all they said. They didn't ask actually, actually ask a question. They said letting friendships go, welcoming space for new ones. So um, 
letting friendships go and welcoming space for new ones, I would say I have a very healthy relationship with letting friendships go. I think that more people need to be really willing to let friendships go because as we grow and as we change, um, you know, maybe some people that we were resonating with before, we don't resonate with anymore. And that's totally fine. And it doesn't mean, you know, sometimes that you have to um, have some sort of bad ending with this person or have some sort of, you know, uh, so many people that I am not really close to anymore that I was once close to before. I can totally still text them. I can still, you know, say hello, check in or something, but we probably won't hang out. We probably haven't seen each other in like two years or something, but it's it's all love. You know what I mean? It's just, we don't resonate anymore. We don't really, you know, I'm at a different space. You're at a different space. We're just not really in in that same space anymore. And there's certain friends that you have that are always healthy for you, are always healing, are always nurturing for you at all the spaces of your life. And those friendships are really, really special. For example, my friend, my best friend, Anna, she is my sister and she's my just number one, like, she's just my girl. Like I love her. So I've been best friends with her since I was 12. And no matter what happens in each other's lives, no matter what phase of each other's lives we're in, we are still each other's number one supporter, number one best friend. Um, and we love each other very deeply. Um, but that's a really special type of friendship, right? And, um, that's not, every friendship and so sometimes you have friendships and I've had them many times where you guys just don't resonate anymore you don't you know have that much in common or maybe you don't you really don't like them after kind of you start healing something you realize hey wait I was actually only friends with you because I was coming from this people pleasing wound or maybe I was you know reliving this this wound that I had with my mom or my dad and when I was in um I was in a really toxic friendship, a you know, little best friendship with this girl for a couple of years and it was really toxic and it was just really bad. I was living from my worst version of myself when I was around her and she was um you know, really toxic for me as well. But just on my end, I was extremely toxic to her and I was just um really unhappy when I was around her, really angry when I was around her, really irritated when I was around her, just bringing me back to the space that I was once in when I was younger, but I just was no longer in. And I realized, you know, I'm just reliving my relationship with my mother through you. When I was younger, I viewed my mother as needing my protection as, um, and it wasn't true, but I, I viewed my mother as, um, I viewed myself as stronger and as able to provide protection and able to provide safety and defense and um, and to be kind of this like guiding force in her life. And and that was never true. That was never what she needed. And that was never um, appropriate. But it also makes complete sense why I, I felt like that as a child. Um, however, as an adult, um, we unlearn these things, we we heal. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We no longer come from these trauma responses and we no longer act in ways that deny other people their sovereignty. Um, However, I was reenacting this with this girl, right? I viewed her as, you know, not really having a voice or needing my protection. And I would get angry and irritated at her. And we were just in this very toxic friendship. And I was so miserable in it, but I felt that I just couldn't let it go. And I was just so, so miserable in it. She would always make, you know, these excuses. And she was, it was just, it was so, it was just a really bad friendship. And I had to let that friendship go. And, um, and, but my point is that it doesn't, it it can be either one, like it can be a really toxic friendship where, for example, she's, um, you know, come, you know, reenacting her wounds from when she was a child and you're reenacting your wounds. And then you guys are coming together and in this toxic friendship, or it can be something that, you know, I have love for you, but we just don't really like have that much in common. I don't feel really like filled up when I hang out with you or when I see you and so like you know let's just like take some space let's just like not hang out as much and I still love you but like let's just go our separate ways like there's nothing wrong with that and if you ever like want to reach out it's totally fine and we can talk or whatever but you know it's we're just not really going to be present and friends really anymore and I have had a lot of people like that and um and from doing that I've been able to actually choose friends that really make me feel nourished and make me feel filled up and I feel really happy and fulfilled in their presence and I feel like a good indicator of if a friendship is good for you is asking yourself the same as a relationship do I feel nourished and fulfilled and happy and joyful when I'm around them or after I've left do I feel like that was a really nourishing connection can I be my full self around them like was that really nourishing really all it is is was that nourishing and um and if it's not then yeah and if you're the problem like you're the being the toxic one which which I have been before as well ask yourself you know like what wounds is this bringing out of me like why am I acting in this way like what is this pulling on and then is that healthy for me to continue to put myself in that environment because something that I had some trouble with was I was even in therapy about this one friendship that I had and I 
well, I wasn't in therapy about it, but I did have a therapist and I would talk to her about it. And, um, and I said, you know, I feel like because I'm realizing that like, she doesn't do anything wrong. It's just me. Like I don't, I like act out, like I'm being toxic. I'm acting out. And what I had to realize though, is just because maybe I'm projecting doesn't mean that we should stay in that situation. Like just because that person is not a bad person or maybe innocent or not, didn't do anything wrong. And maybe you're the one who's projecting and being toxic doesn't mean that you have to stay in that friendship. Like doesn't mean that you have to stay in a friendship with someone that maybe brings out your worst version of you, brings out your, your wounded inner self. Like you want to have friends that bring out your most nourished and most healthy and most healed self and, and not ones that kind of, um, pull on these strings that make you, uh, feel really trapped or feel like you're back in your relationship with your mom or with your dad or, and it's the same thing with relationships, right? Like you, um, may be in a relationship and this person the way that they show up although it's their own choice to show up in the world they show up maybe as really um maybe you were your mom was always or maybe you always saw like men that you had to caretake for as as children you had to like be the mother for them and your mom maybe was always doing that for your father and he was never actually being a man and he was never actually like um you know full in his own life he was just being controlled and caretaked and mothered by your mother she wasn't actually his partner and then you get into a relationship with someone who does that same thing like they're just not really um filled in their own life they want you to mother them they want you to caretake for them they're not you know a bad person maybe but the place that they're in their life like they are not you know in their space that they can bring out your most full version of you and that you feel safe to be in that most full version of you. The version that they bring out is this one that's like, you know, an old archetype or an archetype you don't want to feed. Because the truth is, to truly heal, you have to choose which versions, which things you want to feed and which ones you don't want to. And you have to allow those ones to die off. Even if they they live, you know, in, in your history, in your past, even in your body, maybe you feel yourself like, oh, should I go back to that version? And you, you know, it's like um, a toxic little voice in your head or something. But the truth is you will have to choose and have discipline to choose which version, which thing you're going to choose. Am I going to choose the toxic um, way of showing up or am I going to choose the healed and whole and nourishing way of showing up? And so with people who maybe bring that out, um, maybe that's just not the best friendship for you. And it doesn't have to mean that that person is wrong or that they did something that's bad. It just means this isn't the best friendship for me. This isn't a friendship that really feels nourishing, that really feels healthy, that really feels good. Like, it's just not for me. And there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. We just, you know, aren't really a good match. And I feel like that's just really important to just let these friendships go and just you know I feel like a lot of women it's really similar with relationships like we're afraid to be alone we're afraid to have no friends and you have to be unafraid to be alone if you want to get out of these toxic or unnourishing friendships you have to be unafraid to be alone for a little bit because your the universe will take a second to respond to you sometimes like you've been showing up and telling the universe or telling life telling God oh you know I will settle for these non-nourishing friendships and so once you stop settling it takes a second to collab to re, re 
you know, re-collaborate. What's it called? Re, um, re curate or whatever your your new life right you're the new connections that are coming kind of come into your life but it takes you choosing to reject any friendships that are not truly nourishing for that to to manifest and also knowing which friendships are for you know maybe this friendship is we just talk on online but we're not really like and that's totally cool like I don't mind just texting them or messaging them on Instagram but like I don't really feel I want to hang out with them in person or, you know, just just um, just not being afraid to be alone, I think is is the most important part of that. And then once you start really showing up as who you are and, and the, the healed and full version of you, you can attract really wonderful women into your life. And I think that um, a quote that I saw one time was like, you know, you have to be unafraid to um what is it like you have to if if you are not being yourself how can the people that are meant for you find you and that is really really true so sometimes when we're in all these friendships and in all these relationships with people where we're not really in our true embodiment it takes a second for us to actually get into our true embodiment and then we can attract people that are also resonating with that true embodiment but if you are masking and if you're not in your full embodiment those people who are looking for you won't even when they see you, they won't even choose you. When they see you, they won't want to be friends with you because you are not actually showing up as you. So start showing up as the fullness of who you are and claiming what you actually desire in friendships. And um, and yeah, and don't be afraid to be alone. Okay, so next question is, what was the final straw that led to your embodied woman journey? So I had basically gotten out of a really abusive relationship and um and i had already had my spiritual awakening and whatnot and um and so i was less in resonance with it i was just not um the the last parts of me that were resonating were like cycling out and um i had just gotten out of a really abusive relationship and then i basically hit rock bottom for like 6 months after that i just was so out of my body and just making really harmful decisions for myself and I had this really difficult experience this really difficult experience that I had that really brought me to my knees of facing my reality like facing where I was at and facing the fact that you know I'm not feeling good in my life right now like I'm not making good choices for myself I'm not making healthy choices for myself I don't feel I'm at my full potential I don't feel like this doesn't feel good I don't want to live like this I don't want to live I just don't want to live like this and I the next week um it was August 1st I remember on August 1st I went celibate sober and alkaline vegan the same day and I decided that I would not talk to or date or text or look at any men for the next two years and I would just completely dedicate the next two years to myself and allow myself the time to shed the old version of me and step into the new one because I was tired of living a life that wasn't fulfilling. I was tired of living a life where I didn't feel truly in my in my power 
I was tired of people pleasing. I was tired of being out of my body. I was tired of being mistreated. I was tired of not feeling fully healthy. I was tired of just living an unfulfilling life. And I just decided I was done. And I, you know, I never, someone asked me to talk about my sober journey. I never had a drinking problem. I never did any drugs. The only drug I ever did was I smoked weed a couple times. So I never had a problem. But, you know, at the end of the day, alcohol is a drug and alcohol is a poison that people put into their bodies that your body literally rejects, which is why you throw up. Um, It's poisonous. It's harmful and it's disrespectful to put into your body. And I had been going out a lot with my friends at that time and drinking. Um, you know, I never had like a problem, but I would drink like once a weekend and I would go out and I would go to like a club or something or go out with my friends. And I just realized like this is, I'm living a disrespectful way to myself. And this is not really self-respect this is not really the full potential of my life like I am a really powerful woman and I need to step into that right fucking now like I need to let this shit go I need to let this life go like I need to let this shit die and step into the next version I'm ready like I gotta go I gotta go I gotta I have to move into the next version of my life like this is not a vibe um So I, yeah, I went sober, celibate and alkaline on the same day and um, did that for two years and, you know, was amazing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so that but really it was just I was just in a really difficult place. My final straw was just um, it was an accumulation of, you know, difficult experiences feeling mistreated or feeling like I'm out of my body feeling like I'm just you know I was like you know just going out with you know I had like going out friends like friends that I wasn't actually friends with but we would just go out and like go to parties together and and whatnot and that was just so insane to me like this is the most non-nourishing shit ever like what the fuck am I doing here like what the fuck am I doing like literally what the fuck am I doing (laughs) like I literally was just like this is not at all for me like I need to get the my shit together right fucking now and decide this moment that I'm going to live my most embodied life and I'm going to do everything I need to do to get to everything God has in store for me. I'm going to live in my full potential. Like I'm going to reclaim myself as a woman. I'm going to enter my embodied womanhood journey right fucking now because that non-embodied womanhood shit is ass. Like literally, it's it's tempting because it's easy, but it's actually hard because the cost that it that it takes is like you will live the most unfulfilling life ever. If you're in your unfulfilled, you know, wounded womanhood space, you will live a very unfulfilling life for your whole life. Like that has a very high cost for the for the price of convenience. Like that is not worth it and choosing yourself and choosing to dedicate yourself radically to yourself like literally radically reclaiming yourself radically reclaiming your life like is is just it's the easiest decision I ever made 
right? Because it actually is much easier, the path of least resistance, literally, because you end all your patterns, you end all your cycles, you live in ease, you, you know, move through your pain, you no longer hold on to it, you no longer live a life where you're suffering, you're no longer in unhappy relationships, friendships, or romantic, you're just literally living your most full and embodied life, like, that is worth it, so, so yeah, Okay, so next question is someone asked, what was I like prior to my healing journey? I was um, very miserable when I was growing up. So, you know, my I would say prior to my spiritual awakening, um, which, you know, I don't really love to use that word because it's so cliche, that little term. But, it, you know, prior to me coming to know God, I was so from ages 12 to 19, um, so this is basically the same question as this other question, which is my mental state from ages 12 to 19 and how that period of my life was. And so then the other question was, what were you like prior to your healing journey? So prior to my healing journey, which was ages 12 to 19. So let's just talk about about that. Let's just talk about my, um, you know, what was I like and my mental state and whatever. And we'll just push those two questions together. Um, so what I was like and... Um, and my mental state, I was very, very miserable. I was very, very disliked. Um, I had a lot of trouble making friends because um, multiple reasons, but I just really didn't resonate with any of the people around me. I lived in a very, very conservative town. I went to a Catholic all-girls high school and the girls were not resonating with me and I was not resonating with them. And my truest essence is the essence the archetype of Kali um so if you look up um Kali on you know Google um it's basically the archetype of you just look it up but that is my that's my most natural archetype right so that's always been my archetype that's always been my essence that's just my essence as a woman I am extremely opinionated I tell the truth in the face of the lie I am very direct I am very honest I speak my truth I know my power I uh, have never held my tongue I always destroy um, my essence so Kali is basically the uh, the goddess the archetype of destroying um, in the face of protection, destroying for the innocent. So destroying all of the um, the things that that keep you or keep systems or keep people away from purity. So everything that's harmful, but she's aggressive about it. She's um, she's, you know, you know, her archetype is seen as like killing and drinking the blood. But what she's really doing is killing off the darkness and drinking it so that others can be pure but she's really just holding up a mirror to others right so I was always that's that is my my truest essence it's a very like powerful essence that is just a you know one archetype 
of femininity and that is my truest essence of femininity what I had to cultivate more intentionally which is also you know natural to me but it was had to be more cultivated was you know the softer and the more receptive essences of femininity which are extremely important Um, but my archetype of femininity was more Kali Um, and that was that's my like base right and then the other ones I've come into because they're also my base but this one is like the core of my being right um so so yeah so um so I was I was just you know I'm very very I am gifted with the gift of wisdom and with the gift of truth and I have been gifted since I was born and that was really difficult for me when I was growing up um because I just wasn't in an environment where that was received at all. So I had a lot of I had a lot of difficulties making friends. I had a lot of difficulties um you know um relating to the girls around me because the girls around me were very they they didn't they didn't they couldn't really understand what I was talking about the the fierceness of my my messages. They were very very conservative and I was um talking about you know women's liberation animal liberation I was talking about liberation of other oppressed groups and you know it just it was not received well (laughs) and um and so that was kind of my my journey I was not received well by my family by my community by my school I would receive death threats all of the time I was very depressed I was very irritated um from ages 12 to 19 so if you like knew me I would be very irritated um I was just very like yeah I would just be I was very irritated because you know depression is a symptom of of whatever it's a symptom of but for me it was of being if my environment I was in an environment that wasn't conducive to my emotional health to my well-being I was surrounded by people that were not conducive to my health that were could not receive me that all they did was try to suppress me like my family my community and my schools all they did was try to suppress me and um constrict me and and they were all afraid of my power and so so yeah so it was not conducive for me at all and I um was very irritated I just wanted to be alone I was very moody um I was always like fighting especially with my family um because I was always speaking the truth and my family didn't know what to do with that at that time and thankfully we have um come such a long way and they've really been able to receive me and they have changed and and um and transformed so much and I love them I've always been very close with my little brother so my little brother and I were always a little a little team but but yeah so I did have a very um so what I was like prior to my healing journey basically I was depressed and I was always in abusive relationships as you guys know as I talk about um until I started doing the real real deep inner work and and really dedicating to myself radically I was in always in abusive relationships back to back to back I never spent like a second alone um and I you know my the most I would be single would be like three months or something um and 
And yeah, so I was just always, you know, in harmful situations, whether that was in a relationship being harmed or whether that was at school being, you know, suppressed and and getting in trouble for speaking my truth or for being different or for being, um, you know, uh, just the way that I am and um, or that was at my house, you know, being suppressed and being trying to be controlled because of my essence, because my essence is very, very powerful. And when you're around people who aren't ready for that, it, it was a lot, right? Like, you know, but it was just interesting when I look back on some of the things that, you know, would cause tensions. Like, for example, at my school, I, I have a friend, I think I'm going to bring her on my podcast, Um, Her name's Maggie and she started a foundation called Blink Now and anyway it's for um, for children and particularly girls in Nepal and um, and she asked me when I was in high school like hey can you um, can you organize a drive you go to an all-girls school can you organize a drive for like tampons and pads because you know, the girls at my school, they really need tampons and pads and they're, um, you know, really harmed by their families and by their communities when they're on their periods because their periods are seen as dirty and shameful and, and um, disgusting and they're meant, they, they're forced to sleep outside and, um, and they're just made fun of and they just really need some, some sanitary products. And can you do a drive at your school? So I went to my school and I talked to my school about it and they told me no because there was a male teacher there was one male teacher at the school and talking about tampons and pads in front of him would make him uncomfortable and of course I raged about this because this was so fucking unjust and insane like literally insanity to put the like the first of all if he's uncomfortable he should be and he should work through and feel deeply that discomfort so he can actually transmute that and feel comfortable with women and womanhood um but second um you know it was just so fucked up right so then those are these types of experiences I look back and they're not even like they're totally normal that any normal person would be like wow that's literally insane um but you know when I was younger it would be just me who was thinking that that was insane. (laughs) So, so yeah. And then I was also really moody, really irritated. I didn't get along with really anybody besides my best friend since when I was 12. Um, I didn't resonate with anyone that was around me. I always had drama and issues at school and and that was such a reclamation too for me in my life was healing my sister wounds because when I was younger I did have a lot of issues and um with other girls and you know a lot of toxicity as as many girls do in high school they have when they exit high school they have this sort of wound because they feel that other women are unsafe and harmful and gonna you know are gonna hurt them in some way either either that's emotionally or physically or they're going to fuck them over they're going to do something that makes them feel unsafe so they have to kind of pit themselves against other women and um they don't really feel safe to be vulnerable around other women or they just kind of you know, this is your formative experience of other girls and what you experience is unsafety with other girls and that leaves a mark. And so for me, doing that deep sisterhood healing has been so amazing because you just, even in this last year doing that, um, not specifically with sisterhood, but just in my life, like doing this deep work where I allow the other versions of me to rest. And that really has been huge because 
in so much of our life, for example, just with this sisterhood, you know, for me, if I experienced, which I did like 10 years of just toxicity with other girls in school, um, really in school. Right. So, and with my mom, right. So I'm experiencing from all angles, other women are emotionally unsafe for me. And that's kind of what you, I internalized when I was a kid. And then when you grow up, right, if you don't check that belief, that unconscious belief, because it's not a conscious belief, you're not aware that that's what you think. It will just dictate the way that you interact with other women or other people. It will dictate your friendships with other women, the way that you show up, even the women that you choose, the women, you know, even that I chose early on that I was talking about letting these friendships go, um, you know, friendships that I would engage in these toxic dynamics with. Um, so we will choose, we will re-choose friendships that are toxic and until we really sit with this core belief and allow it to rest and we realize, you know, once we create a life of safety and once we truly dedicate ourselves to ourselves, like for example, just with the sisterhood wound, I realized like, wait, that's no longer my reality. I can let that little girl who was, you know, afraid of being vulnerable with other girls, who was mistreated by other girls, who, you know, had toxicity with other girls, who felt unsafe around other girls. I can let that rest because that's no longer my reality. I can face like, you know, my patterns and address. Wait, why have I only been friends with girls that have been toxic? Why have I, you know, people pleased with a lot of these girls? Why have I um, attracted friendships that aren't truly nourishing? Like what's really going on here? And then getting to the core, your limiting belief, which is usually a belief that was created from a real space in our childhood, like something that really made sense um you know for example all men are unsafe maybe all the men that you interacted with as a child including your father were unsafe and you're like yo all men are unsafe but then when you get older you realize wait that doesn't need to be my story anymore it doesn't mean that you invalidate that limiting belief or invalidate that story because it came from a really real space it means like I no longer need to actually show up in that space because there's actually more to the story there actually are a lot of women who are really wonderful and really safe. And I have experienced that, that now. You know, I have only friends with girls that are really safe and really wonderful and really nourishing and I love. And girls I can call my sisters, right? And when we're younger, so many of us experience this sisterhood wound where we don't feel truly emotionally safe. We, you know, experience toxicity because you know, we're growing up and it's not even that there's something wrong with these other girls. It's that, you know, we're all just, you know, learning how to grow up. And when a lot of us don't have good examples. And so we experience unsafety around these other girls. And then the issue is when we go into our adulthood and we don't check it, right? We don't check these limiting beliefs. And once we do, we can create something new and we can say, okay, that was the only thing available to me when I was a child. That was what I experienced as a child, but now I'm an adult and that story no longer needs to hold up. I actually have agency in my life now. I can choose, you know, who I let into my life. There's way more agency because I'm not just restricted to, oh, I go to this school. So this is just, that's it. These are the only friends I can make. You have abilities to 
meet people from different spaces and to be picky and be selective. It's not just for me in my school when I was, you know, in high school, there was 40 girls in a grade, right? So that was it. There's 40 of us. That's it. Like we go to this private Christian school or this Catholic school. That's it. There's just 40 of us. Like that's the whole story. So pick somebody that, you know, is a vibe. And then you don't, you know, really resonate or feel safe, but you don't want to be alone. And so you have to settle for these friendships. And when you're older and once you become an adult, you can really rewrite that story. And when you rewrite that story and you no longer act from it, and when we act from these stories, we prevent ourselves from living in our full embodiment because we're coming from a trauma response. But when we really rewrite these limiting beliefs and choose something different we allow that version of ourselves to rest so for example for me the little girl who what her heart really craved was safe friendships with other women but she never got it so she thought that that's all that there was but as an adult I can give that to myself only have safe friendships with other women which then allows this version of me that felt so unsafe with other women to rest that version of me is no longer hyperactive that version of me is no longer coming from a trauma response that version of me is no longer running the show the version of me that is safe and healed and whole can run the show now and protect and show up for that little girl by only choosing friendships that are nourishing so we allow these these spaces that we have been wounded wounded to rest and to actually um release when we identify our limiting beliefs and then choose something different so so yeah so that was you know how I was when I was a kid you know very unhappy very irritated very um had a lot of family issues had a lot of trouble at school I would always get death threats I was very disliked I was just you know it was difficult and I had um you know a lot of very you know difficult experiences with my father with my mom we with just you know with I had a lot of difficult experiences I was experiencing sexual violence when I was in when did it uh in in high school I was experiencing sexual violence. I was experiencing bullying. I was experiencing, you know, toxicity. I was experiencing unsafety from all angles. I was experiencing abuse. I was experiencing just a lot, right? And, um, and, and yeah. And so when you become an adult, you can give that version of you. You have two options. You can live from your trauma response. Like for example, people say, you know, nobody's trustworthy. Okay. So nobody's trustworthy. So that's how I'm going to show up for the rest of my life. Right. In this trauma response. Right. And then you usually recreate that pattern or you can choose something new and allow that version of you give that version of you what it truly desires, which is someone who's trustworthy. You give that version of you, you who's trustworthy and you allow that version of you to rest. So, um, so yeah, so that is going to be the end of this birthday episode. We actually talked for a really long time. I am going to end it here, but I love you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, this was a really beautiful episode. Thanks guys for being interested in my life, interested in my story, and I will talk to you guys soon. Let me know if you have any more questions and, and yeah, I love you guys so much and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.